The Accidental Entrepreneur is produced by Beinhacker Law and brought to you through our affiliate relationships with the following sponsors. One of One Productions, the New Jersey-based podcast studio that produces and edits both audio and video podcasts. They sell equipment for the average podcaster and have even created a guesting kit exclusively for our listeners. North Authentic, the conscious hair care marketplace offering the cleanest brands from around the world. The Healthy Place, the e-commerce site with thousands of supplements to help you live a healthier life, along with natural solutions for chronic pain, stress, anxiety, depression, sleeplessness, and much, much more. And be sure to support the podcast by ordering some logo merchandise from our online store. Listen to all of our sponsors' commercials later in this episode and follow their links in the show notes to learn more about their products and services. And I'd always heard of another term that we use is seller financing, right? That's essentially what we're doing is we're going to the seller and they're, they're financing us. So I had been looking around. I wanted to do apartment syndications. That's really where I was going with this business. I wanted to invest in multifamily. Right. And I was very, I looked at a bunch of deals, I mean, for years. And I just never pulled the trigger. Syndications are like limited partnerships, right? You're the general partner bringing in people. They're investing in the business passive to them. You're managing the building. Correct. Correct. hundred percent. You, 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 you nailed it. And I was very uncomfortable at that time in my life, not having any real estate experience other than what yeah. I read in books or podcasts with number one, taking my own money, my own hard earned money and investing it in something that was unknown. And then number two, asking a bunch of other people to do the same thing, invest alongside of me, just right. very unsettling. And it froze me. Yeah. And it was right around that time where I heard a coach that I ended up hiring. He's still my coach today, talking about how he bought multifamily properties and his own office building using seller financing. Okay. No money down, no credit. And I said, I got to find out. Hello. Yeah. Light switch went off. Got it. So I learned about it. And I, it spoke to me like, you know, one of the things in, in real estate that I mentioned is like, there's a bunch of different ways that you can make that you can become well wealthy. You can make a, you can make a million dollars or more. Right. But you have to find that lane that speaks to you. Right. Does make sense to you. Yeah. You understand and this it, you understand was it. the economics of it. You can control it. You, it limits your risk because if you don't really understand it, you're just going to lose sleep every night. You know, if it's not right. really something you're comfortable with. Because there's always risk involved, right? I'm sure you'll talk about deals and things that didn't work out, problems you'll have you had, but that's part of the business. But if you limit that and you feel comfortable with it, I agree with you 100. I think a lot of those guys are like that. They they do flips or they do wholesaling or whatever because it just it fits in the marketplace they're in. It fits with the context that they have. It's something they're comfortable with. They have access to deals like that. The information provided in these episodes is for entertainment purposes only. It is not a guarantee of success or to be construed as advice of any kind. You should always seek advice from local licensed professionals before making any decisions. The dictionary defines an entrepreneur as a person who organizes and manages any enterprise, especially a business, usually with considerable initiative and risk. People often start a business without much choice, perhaps due to a job loss or just being dissatisfied at work, and they come up with an idea they just know can be successful. They become entrepreneurs by accident. That is to say their success or failure happens by accident, not with intention. My name is Mitch Beinhacker. I'm a corporate attorney and a business advisor. You're listening to The Accidental Entrepreneur, my podcast about how to achieve success on purpose, not by accident. Join me along with our monthly guests where we share our knowledge and help you get a hold of your business. 
And now on to today's episode. Hi, I'm Brian O'Neill. I'm the CEO and founder of BKW Property Solutions here in Chicago. We uh, buy and sell homes using creative financing strategies. And prior to that, I had zero real estate experience. I worked in corporate sales for 25 years, and I'm super excited to be talking to Mitch today on The Accidental Entrepreneur, and I'm really looking forward to the interview. All right, Brian. So this is exciting because I was on your podcast and now you're coming on my podcast and uh, going to talk about some stuff. But I, I think what's really great about you know business and being an entrepreneur in your situation specifically, because you, if people are listening to this, they'll hear it in the opening. You know, you really didn't know real estate. You were in corporate sales. You go into real estate, and we're going to talk about some of the financing strategies and the stuff that you guys do. But you know, if you're strategic about it, you stick with it. And you you learn some principles from some people. You can, you too, can get started in the real estate business, right? Yeah, you can. And you know, like I said, like you heard in the intro, there, I had no experience. So I just want to give everyone out there hope that hope. you know you don't you don't have to you don't necessarily have to have a, a ton of experience. You just need to have some knowledge, and then you know the courage to kind of to, to dive in. You know, get right. in the mud, get dirty. All right, good. Well, let's go back ways back when you got started, you know, where you grew up and, and your training and then what you did in sales, because I'm sure that prepared you. It, sales always prepares you for everything. And then uh, <laughs> you got into real estate. What made you do it? It absolutely does. So going back, you know, I, I spent most of my life in, in Florida. Uh, I actually, my whole family's from, I think we talked about this on my yeah. show. I'm, I'm from I'm from the the Northeast, so my whole family's from from New York. I was born in Brooklyn. We lived in Jersey for a couple of years, Jersey. and then like a lot of people uh, back in the '80s, you know, they moved to uh, moved to Florida, uh, and 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 that's what we did. Yeah, and I spent spent most of my life in Florida, and then I did the complete opposite of what you're supposed to do, is I moved from Florida to the to North Chicago, Pole. which is just <laughs> basically the North Pole. I have no answer for that still to this day, uh, but it was for a sales job at the time. It was a company I worked for for 17 years, and I was in corporate sales for 25 years. And were you married now, at the time, or I, at the time I at the time I was not married. I met my wife here, and you know it's interesting too. I was having a conversation with my son the other day because every every winter I say the same thing to him. Like I, I can't stay here. I don't know why we live here. Right. He's like, "Why did you come here, Dad?" Yeah. And I said, I, I, I and I, before I answered, he goes, "Was it because you were looking for mom?" Right. And I said, "Well, my, yeah, I told I, you, my I, wife's I from was. South Florida, right? So every about this time of the year, that's exactly what happens." She goes, "Now, why are we living here again?" So you know, I'm, yeah. I'm a New Jersey attorney. What do you want from me? So, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I'm married. Chicago's a great here. place. It's just cold. It is, you know, and you, and you, I really can't tolerate it, but if you can, then it's a great place to live. I have, I have nothing negative to say about the city. It's just, you know, the next couple of months are, are, are fairly yeah, unpleasant. Tough, right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this, what was so, the company? What they, what was the sales job? Actually interesting too. I worked for an elevator company, so you can, I mean, how about, how's that for a punchline elevator salesman turned real estate investor. There you go. And I was flying a lot. I was traveling all over North America, uh, Canada, Europe, and I was gone all the time. You know, I was flying a hundred thousand miles a year. I was missing my son grow up and it was really starting to eat away at me, especially as he got older and started to voice his opinion about me being gone. Right dad, I don't like when you're gone. He would get scared. He'd get nervous. Right. And then I'd come back from these two or three day trips 
and he's speaking different. He looks different. Yeah, he's yeah, doing different lot, things. And you know, they do. And that was ultimately the driver for me where I started to say, okay, look, I, I, I only have one son. I'm not going to miss this kid grow up. Right. You know, it's it got to be something else. Yeah. Look, if yeah. the kid's a year old in two months, he's grown, you know, like 20% of his life. So, you know, it, it happens fast. Now on the elevator side, you were, I guess you were dealing with large corporate clients, right? They're elevators for large buildings. You're dealing with developers or large groups, right? And you had to travel around to see them. All over. And it was mainly, we did a lot of industrial stuff. So it wasn't conventional, like in a hotel or an office building. It was more, you know, like, like as an example, these big uh, refineries or these big uh, plastics plants or cements plant, they all had these elevators. Commercial heavy duty lifts. Heavy duty. Yeah. Very remote areas. So I'd have to go to, you know, some, some very remote places and, you know, mining, uh, mining operations. I mean, I spent a lot of time in, in, in Northern parts of Canada where, you know, you think it's four degrees is cold. How about minus 40? Right. You know? That's like so the it, summer. It, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So you so that's what fly I fly to doing. a major city and then drive to a lot of these places. You must have been on the road. I would. I mean, sometimes I'd fly to, you know, I'd fly to like a Phoenix and I'd drive three or four hours to the middle of nowhere to, to see a, to see a, a, a place and drive back three hours. I fly home and, you know, I was maybe there for an hour at, at the yeah. site. Right. So and you turn around and come back. Not very productive use of your time. No. Nowadays you can, could you zoom now? Could they do it on zoom or do you have to really well, actually, the site? I mean, I think, you you know, you, you certainly could, it, it was just, you know, you don't have that personal touch because a lot right. of these are high ticket sale items and, you know, it's difficult to do that over, uh, over right. a zoom call. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I'm sure that wore through very fast. It did. I did it for a long time and, you know, I just got used to it. You know, I was on planes all the time at hotels. I mean, you know, that movie planes, trains and automobiles, yeah, I mean, right. uh, you know, that, that was, uh, that, that was me. And, and again, I just, I just knew that there had to be something I knew. I always loved real estate. I always wanted to be in real estate. I just didn't really know where to go. Right. right. And I think one of the mistakes that I made that a lot of newbies make mm-hmm. is they look at the entire the entire bucket of real estate. Well, I can do a fix and flip, or I can do some wholesales. I right. can do, you know, a, a, a buy and hold. And unfortunately for me, I looked at all that and I did nothing. I was too distracted. And then I was looking at the stock market and e-commerce and I did right. absolutely nothing. Just like analysis of paralysis, like you didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. And I, and I, and then it wasn't until I got clear, like laser focused on a specific niche. And then that's when things started to, to change for me and, and to happen for me. And I've stuck with that niche, you know, since I, since I dove in several years ago. So you started, you kept your job at first, right? You were, although you traveled. I did. Lot, so I kept my job. Um, and I did, I, I had set a goal, you know, I wanted to leave the job within a two year period um, okay. because of what I was able to do in real estate in a short amount of time you know, using some of the, the strategies that I use with creative financing, I was able to leave that job in nine months, which okay. was great. Right. You know, and I've been, I haven't, I haven't been on, I've been on, I only go on planes now when I take my, right. uh, my, my family on vacation, which is limited, you know, with, with this pandemic. Well, uh, here. Unfortunately. Yeah. Now, what was your, you remember what was your first purchase? Yeah, I do. I do remember the first purchase. So, and it's always scary, right? You don't know what you're doing. Well, and, I'm you know, sure it wasn't your first thing you looked at, right? 
it was that I looked yeah. for years and years and years of deals, uh, years. And yeah. it wasn't until I finally just said, okay, like the, 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 it's important to know the why. I mean, my son, missing my, my son grow up propelled me to actually get over myself and just yeah. dive in. So the first deal I ever bought um, was a was a seller here in uh, in the south suburbs of Chicago that was trying to sell her house conventionally. She 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 was having a difficult time conventionally, and that's very common with a lot of the sellers that we work with. So her contract with her realtor expired. Okay, I called her. Her I called her. Her listing agreement expired. Yep, got it. Okay. And that's when we call because we don't call when they're actively engaged right. with them. And, and we know what that means. That means that she doesn't owe this person a commission anymore. If she came to you, it would save her some money. So right? exactly. Okay. hundred percent saves the, okay. saves the five or 6%. So I right. called her, left a voicemail. I said, Hey, I'm calling your property at one, two, three main street. You know, just, I'm interested in buying it and, you know, didn't think anything of it. She called back two weeks later and said, Hey, I, I saved your voicemail. And her situation was she had moved to another, she had bought another property. She had moved right. to, she's moving to another condo, couldn't okay. sell this house. She's faced with having to carry two housing payments. Right. So I said to her, okay, I can solve that problem for you, the two housing payments. And I've been there personally before. So this is, it, 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 I like to help people do this. So I cover the housing payment. We agree upon a price. So I, I, I basically bought her house on what's referred to as a lease purchase, which yeah, is like we said like all an occupancy, right? You're just you're just yeah. renting it. You're renting it until you close. We're we're renting it. the 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 easiest way to explain it is is as a delayed cash sale. So I'm going to lease the house from her, and by leasing, I'm simply just paying her mortgage every month direct right. to the bank. And covering any and all expenses that come up with the house, she can go check out and move on to the next house and right. not have to worry about this one. Now, direct to the bank is kind of important, right? Because she could take your money, not pay the mortgage, and it can go into foreclosure and lose your money. Right. That, and then the buyer that I place in the house, I have a fiduciary responsibility to them as well to make sure that there's no liens on this house yeah, when they course. go to buy it. Yeah. Right. So, hundred percent. How did you exactly. find the property if it, if it wasn't listed anymore? Mm-hmm. How'd you find the property? Yeah, I have a we have a lead service that we use that uh, that ties to the MLS. You were using it then? Yeah, okay. I was using yeah. it then, and they and they I, we get triggered. We get notified when they expire, and and then we just we uh, reach so out to the sellers it. and got it, got it. Okay, yeah. that's a good answer. Yeah. Not magic. There it's very very simple. There. Okay. There's there's lots of services that that out there that can pull that. Yep. So this was a standalone house, right? It's a single family house. Yep. And you were going to buy it and hold. What was your initial plans to buy it and hold it and rent it? Yeah. So uh, no, we work with buyers who are just outside of financeability. Okay. Got it. So, so buyers that don't have the best credit and they can't get a mortgage or something. Can't get a mortgage. They don't have. They have their credit maybe dinged. Now, I we work with people like in the top one percent of that, right? They've been through right, a divorce. because that increases your risk as a as a real estate investor, right? Yeah, we don't. I mean, we want to help, but we don't want people who have been who've been historically terrible at mismanaging their credit. We're looking for folks who have had a life event, significant okay. life event, divorce, okay. death, a medical event, um, self-employed. I mean, self-employed people get treated, they get taken to the woodshed from the, with the banks, you know? Yeah, so because they don't have the traditional tax papers to show a bank because bank doesn't want any risk. They want to lend their money, no risk. They want you to put 
half a million dollars in the bank and then they'll give you half a million dollars for the it's like borrowing your own money half the time it, it, it's it's, it's madness yeah. they, they get more they're you know they're more qualified than again not saying anything about w2 employees at all but a, a right. lot of the self-employed people i work with are more qualified than yeah, more they better get right of course but you're not subject to the rules of the bank subject bank subject to all kinds of federal and state rules that you're not subject to so it makes it a little bit easier for you okay exactly okay so you you already kind of had the the way you were doing this with your first purchase like you're buying it you're lining up a buyer all at the same time right and here's why i love this model okay uh, i'm basically selling this on a on a rent home right and i i do most of my properties this way is I am essentially not a landlord because I'm selling the house on a lease to, with an option to buy or a land contract or a contract for deed. It's different in, in, in every state right. where they are buyers. They're responsible for the property. So they're responsible for the maintenance and the upkeep. So I'm not, they're not calling me in the middle of the night asking me right. to fix their toilet. This or is the, the new party out. that's buying the property from you. Correct. Right. And, so you're and not plumbing I, out a toilet in the middle of the night. I right. have no interest in that. Now I could I rent a house. Sure. I mean, I could rent it. I could, yeah, I, you, you could. know, and that's an exit, but I like the idea of placing a buyer in the home and, and it increases your cash flow because these buyers are, are everything is there for them except for the loan. So they have the down payment, which they give up front and over the course of the term, and then they're taking care of the property. And is there a spread between what you're paying on the old mortgage and their lease payment until they close? There, there is, and and okay. it varies on each house. On this particular one, if I'm doing the numbers correct, I think I'm getting about nineteen hundred a month in a lease payment from the buyer, and the seller's mortgage payments about sixteen hundred dollars. So it's a few hundred dollar. Difference. Yeah, which is we don't put any money down on these houses. So I, yeah. I, I gave the seller ten dollars. And the, and the bank's covering it. that in the payments, taxes, and all that stuff. So you don't have to come up. With yeah. That stuff. It's an escrowed payment. So I, you know, I pay the $1,600 I pay every month. You know, we use a, you know, I have people who help me with that. It goes direct to the bank every month and, you know, we have access to the statement. So we know it's all getting paid. Okay. All right. Now what, because obviously I told you, I've I've met a lot of real estate people. I've had a half a dozen of them on the show. I just talked to somebody Mm -hmm. the other day again about coming on the show. Everybody has a little bit different angle as to what they're doing, why they're doing it, how they got into it. So what made you kind of what uh, dig up this model, find the model, create this model? How'd you learn about it? I don't know. I definitely learned about it. Okay. And I'd always heard of another term that we use is seller financing, right? That's essentially yeah. what we're doing is we're going Very to common. the seller and they're, they're financing us. So I had been looking around. I wanted to do apartment syndications. That's really where I was going with this business. I wanted to invest in multifamily. Right. And I was very, I looked at a bunch of deals, I mean, for years. And I right. just and never pulled the trigger. Syndications are like limited partnerships, right? You're the general partner bringing in people. They're investing in the business passive to them. You're managing the building. Correct. Correct. hundred percent. You, 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 you nailed it. And I was very uncomfortable at that time in my life, not having any real estate experience other than what I read in books or podcasts with number one, taking my own money, my own hard-earned money and investing it in something that was unknown. And then number two, asking a bunch of other people to do the same thing, invest alongside of me, just very unsettling. And it froze me. Yeah. And it was right around that time where I heard a, a coach that I ended up hiring. He's still my coach today. 
talking about how he bought multifamily properties and his own office building using seller financing. Okay. No money down, no credit. And I said, I got to find out more about Hello. Yeah. Light switch went off. Got it. So I learned about it and I, it spoke to me like, you know, one of the things in in real estate that I mentioned is like, there's a bunch of different ways that you can make that you can become wealthy. You can make a, you can make a million dollars or more. Right. But you have to find that lane that speaks to you. Right. Does make sense to you. Yeah. You understand and this it, you understand was it. the economics of it. You can control it. You, it limits your risk because if you don't really understand it, you're just going to lose sleep every night. You know, if it's not right. really something you're comfortable with, because there's always risk involved, right? I'm sure you'll talk about deals and things that didn't work out and problems you'll have, you had, but that's part of the business. But if you limit that and you feel comfortable with it, I agree with you hundred percent. I think a lot of those guys are like that. They, they do flips or they do wholesaling or whatever, because it just, it fits in the marketplace they're in. It fits with the context that they have. It's something they're comfortable with. They have access to deals like that. Yeah. Yeah. And that would just be my advice to, to anyone, at least in the beginning, yeah. is just pick a lane, focus on it, put the blinders on, and just really fo- try to focus on that for three years. And then maybe as you you know move along and you get versed in your business, you can build it and it's, you put these great systems in place and you have a team maybe you can look at some of these other things that are going on. Like I've invested in part in apartment syndications. I'm not, I'm not the, uh, I'm the investor. So I'm the yeah, guy that passive I, investor, know, right. I'm passive now. Right. But ultimately that's something I can still do. And now I have this skill where I can go to those same sellers that I was trying to buy from conventionally. And I can get them to, I know how to talk to them about getting them to be the bank. I don't need to go to the bank. I can have them finance me. Right. So in that deal, you're not, paying the seller any money. You're basically not wholesaling the deal, but you're basically bringing in the buyer. It's the buyer who ultimately gets the financing, buys the house, and you're making some money in in between the deal. Correct. I, They're I paying am you, the, you're I, paying them kind of. I am in the middle on that one. Now there's other scenarios where, you know, what if somebody doesn't have a loan? They own their house free and clear. Well, now I'm the buyer. I can buy their house on owner financing and get the title to the house. And they can just take payments from you. Give them a a monthly payment, transfer the deed, and then a a term, a balloon. Like some sellers will go 15 or 20 years because they don't need or want all the money right now. And and they look at it as annuity. And for tax purposes and estate planning purposes, it makes sense for them in their situation. Right. 35 to 40% of all homes in North America are owned free and clear. Okay. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Now, what if the deal, like the first deal you were doing, right? You brought a buyer in, you obviously just got started. So it wasn't like you have a big portfolio or whatever. What happens if this person can't qualify and can't close the deal and he's living in the house already and he's making payments to you? Then what do you do? Yeah. And that's going to happen in this business, even right. if you you know vet and screen. And we do, we run them through a pretty rigorous process to make sure that they're, they can qualify for a loan in a certain period of time, but Hey, life happens, you know, especially yeah. with COVID people lose right. their jobs, you know? Absolutely. Um, so that represents probably about 5%. We have about a five, five to 10% uh, loss rate, which I mean, I, I can live with that. Sounds right. Good. Yeah. So one of the things that separate that that protects us um, is our buyers are giving down uh, deposits. So this isn't you know a five hundred dollar lease lease option fee that they that they provide up front and then pay a lease payment. 
they're giving anywhere from three to ten percent or more of the That's purchase a down price payment on the purchase upfront. 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 So they have no cash. They're not a a customer for you. It's not, not for them. It's not for them. And that's okay, right? Yeah. So there's skin in the game. So they want to get to the finish line. And that's when you know you have a buyer versus a renter, someone who's 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 got the skin in the game. And we want to get them to the loan. Because again, my agreement with the seller, like I'm guaranteeing that. So yeah. if I tell the seller I'm cashing her out in 48 months, you got to do it. I'm I'm doing it rain or shine. Like it doesn't, right. if the buyer defaults, I can't go back to her and be like, hey, sorry. Just kidding. Right. Like I still gotta <laughs> I got I gotta got cash her out. So, so now does does the uh buyer lose his deposit? It's non-refundable in most cases. Like if they don't do what they're supposed to do, like if they get out of credit repair or if they leave, um, or if they default, like simply don't pay, you know, right. don't pay their don't pay the rent. But again, that's a very, very low percentage. That's good. I do have someone that I'm running through the eviction process. Unfortunately, it does happen. Yeah. You know, even if you check all the boxes, life still happens. Yeah. Yeah. We had a, a deal I was the attorney on. So the guy selling the property, uh, I think it was either in foreclosure or pending foreclosure, and there was some equity and they want to get rid of the house. The buyer comes in and I knew the lawyer. And they, it was delayed and they were coming from another state. And he says, listen, can my client move in on a use of occupancy? The property was empty. They're yeah. good people, whatever. Turns out that the people moved in and the title work comes in and the husband, or maybe both of them, had a $22 million securities judgment against them, some <laughs> sort of fraud in like Georgia. And yeah. they, I guess they figured it wouldn't follow them, but obviously did. They filed, they docketed it, whatever. And now these people are there they, and they wouldn't leave and we had to go to court and they're, and they represented themselves. And it was just like a, it was like a circus. It was a circus. They would call, leave messages, screaming and yelling and cursing. I don't know who this judge is and you people running like a, a circus over. And it was crazy. We played for the judge. It was just, it was nuts. And we finally got the attorney. I know he's so apologetic yeah. and we finally got him out, but it probably cost the guy 20 grand just to get him out of the house, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's not fun. You yeah. can't make this stuff up either, you know. No, somebody these people they're like looking to get you. You know, there's one of those people they know how to work the system. They had done it before, and uh, yeah, and sometimes you're you know, look if you're gonna play in traffic, you're just gonna get hit at some point. It's part of it's part of the deal, you know. Right. I mean, it used to it, it that that used to scare me. It doesn't anymore. I just I just accept it. Like it's right. it's, it's gonna it's going to happen again. Of course, of course. And yeah. you, so this was the first purchase was in what year? What first deal you did? Uh, that was 19. Okay. So it was only really yeah. a couple of years ago. And of course, a few years ago. Was, yeah. It has, has, hasn't been, hasn't, hasn't been a long time now. And you were still working at that point. I was still working and, and then, you know, COVID comes and, uh, you know, it was actually, even though it was a terrible time for a lot of people, you know, and it still is, it was the way that we buy. It was a great. It was a great opportunity for for me and my business and the people that we can help. Because people, if you remember, you know, March of 2020, like half the world froze, or more yeah. than half the world, you know, and you right. couldn't. Realtors couldn't show houses. Nobody could do anything, and you know, we didn't stop. We 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 pretty yeah, much doubled down. Yeah, you kept doing deals. Kept doing deals. We did a lot because again, there was so much uncertainty and people were, you know, had to still do their thing. They had to move, they had to relocate. And now, you know, all these people are not, the buyers just went away. Right. 
nobody's right. buying houses. Nobody, people are taking the house off the market. You can't show it. So there was just so much chaos. And I remember my coach just said, Hey, look, look, this is, you cannot freeze. This is an opportunity of a lifetime right now. And you have a bunch of people you can help. And that's exactly what happened. Now, how did you find the buyers? If, if it was difficult for the people to find the buyers, how did you yeah. find them? So you have to look at you have to look at the folks that I work with, right? So in a conventional sale, and this right. is you know this is this is true. You you ask you ask a a mortgage uh, a mortgage broker okay. how many applications they take in and how many they actually close. It's right. like twenty five percent, right? Okay. For a good Which, a good guy. Yeah, so it's okay. it's r- roughly twenty five to twenty five percent of the market can qualify for a loan, the buyer market. The Meaning rest, you get 100 applications, 25 of them are going to go through. As a general rule of thumb, right. Okay. So as a seller, you are missing 75% of the market. Because the buyer they can't market. qualify. They're self-employed. They, they have right. credit. You know, I mean, some of them are- Some again, of them are junk, right? Exactly. They'll never qualify, right? Right. But that's the pond that I live in. So I can I have access to those people who are, you know, what was happening with COVID too, with a lot of business owners, you know, they stopped writing jumbo loans, if you yeah, remember that. That's they a stopped. jumbo's over 700, something roughly. Six, it depends on the state you're in. Okay. I think it's 675 yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah. Depends on the state. Every state's different. California's higher. Jersey's higher because, you know, the, the values are higher. But, right. you know, over that amount, they stopped writing them. Yeah. The big banks said, we're not doing it anymore, but you right. had all these buyers who had the ability to do it. So I remember I was getting a lot of houses under agreement that were north of that uh, jumbo number because there were no buyers. No, there were no loans available. Right. They had a down payment, but they couldn't get a loan for the balance. No, no. Yeah. So we right. call them sideline buyers, right? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that was, um, you know, again, you have a limited pool already to begin with. And that's the pond that I fish and I can bring these buyers to the table. I work with these buyers. So there's so many people who are looking to go from renting to purchasing. So on a house that's in the you know low 300s, that's like a perfect ideal situation for, for our buyers because it's affordable right. and they're not trying to bite off more than they can chew. Yeah, you're not doing so this a lot of the houses, $1.5 million houses. It, you know, I could, it just doesn't, it's well, not it's a, my, to, yeah, it's hard to find the buyers, a harder market, bigger payments, everything is the risk goes up, right? It's not my lane, right? Yeah. So uh, I, I, I typically stick within a, like a 200 to $500,000 zone that, that works really well for the sellers and the buyers. Now, are you, is, do you network with a lot of mortgage brokers for that reason? Cause they get people that don't qualify and they need to place them somewhere. You know, I, I do for the, the I, I need brokers who can help get the loan, like help right. my buyers get the loan. When they I ultimately mean, it, close. When they ultimately close. Right. I mean, I don't have enough houses and I don't think I ever will for the for the buyers that are out there. I have just people waiting, waiting on the bench for the next house to come up, right? Oh, well, that's good. Yeah, this is because of how many there are. So there's a lot of folks who need this type of who need this type of program, you know, to get them into the house that they want. They want to buy they just can't right now, whether again, it's a credit issue that's all fixable. I mean, you can fix credit in six months if you do the right things. Right, right, right. And then from a, if you're self-employed, it's just seasoning. So that's 12 months or two years, depending on you know where you are in the process. A lot of people who move, 
Like if you move, if I switch jobs and move, the banks don't like that. They want to see, right. you know, like half a year of pay stubs or, or whatever. So right. that they get eliminated from the, from the process. What if you had to short sell a house because you were underwater, like in no eight, tons of clients doing that. And then, you know, good for at that time, four years, maybe it's shorter now, but yeah. No, absolutely. And we can stay that off with the way that we buy houses. We can prevent, I've prevented short sales. I prevented foreclosures by the way that we can, by the way that we can buy. And most people just don't know there's another alternative. Like, Hey, I can't afford my mortgage payments. I have no equity. I have to leave. I'm just giving the house back. That's there's, there's a, there's another way to, to, to do it. Here's a word from our sponsors looking to get into podcasting, maybe to market your business for your own enjoyment or because you have a message you want to get out there. One of One Productions is a New Jersey-based studio just over the George Washington Bridge that caters to the booming business of podcasting. They offer a comfortable atmosphere using the latest technology available to record your podcast. And they are a full-service media company offering both audio and video production services, creating both audio and video podcasts as well as video shorts for business and personal use. Professional audio equipment packages are available through their website for all budgets, and be sure to check out their podcast guesting kit created specially for our listeners. Care for your health, care for the planet, and look flippin' great doing it. North Authentic is a conscious hair care marketplace offering the cleanest brands from around the world. Their pro stylists curate only the most fabulous non-toxic hair products with better-for-you shampoos, serums, masks, and more that actually give you gorgeous hair without hurting your health or the planet. Hey, you've only got one life, one planet, and one glorious mane. Might as well treat them all as best you can, right? Try a 100% clean hair care routine prescribed just for you using their link in the show notes. If you don't see a big, beautiful difference in how your hair looks and feels, you can tell them they're crazy. Do you battle chronic pain, stress, anxiety, or depression? Well, if you take any supplements or you're interested in natural alternatives, you need to know about findyourhealthyplace.com. Find Your Healthy Place has thousands of supplements to help you live a better quality of life, as well as natural solutions for chronic pain, stress, anxiety, depression, sleeplessness, and much, much more. Need guidance? Use their live chat feature and talk to a wellness consultant right on their website. And be sure to use our coupon code TAEPODCAST for all your purchases to get the best prices at findyourhealthyplace.com. Follow their links in the show notes to learn more about all of our sponsors. And now back to our show. Now, is um, what what is your portfolio kind of look like right now? Because if you're obviously buying and selling and buying and selling, you're not really building a lot of passive income. Um, so what, yeah, what does it look like now? Yeah, it, it's, um, you know, and that's, so what we're focusing on, so that one particular deal, that first deal, I had a shorter term on that one, right? So what we're really looking at, like our, what we refer to our avatar, like our ideal seller yeah, is someone who's profile, in, right. someone who's a little bit of pain um, or someone who maybe owns their house free and clear. I can get a long-term, uh, I get a long-term financing situation going on. So I met with a, I have a seller here that I, we're about to do something uh, with his house. He owes essentially what the house is worth. So if he sold it conventionally after he pays his closing costs, he pays his realtor, he's either getting a very small amount of money at the closing table or he's writing a check. Got it. Which is just crazy. You don't have to do that. Right. So I can buy his house for what he owes. 
I can buy it for exactly what his loan balance is. I make his monthly payments. His loan stays in place. And there's nothing illegal about this. We do this all the time. You, I can buy it for what he owes, transfer the title. Now I own the house. The loan stays in place and I make the payments uh, indefinitely. Now, because I have the title, I can do whatever I want with the house. Now, I can technically go, accelerate the loan because you're sure. transferring ownership? So we do on sale clause. Exactly. Yeah. We talk, yeah. we talk a lot about uh, the do on sale clause. It's a, it's a, it's something that, that we, that we get all the time. So banks are not in the business of calling loans to they're well, in the no, business. They want of, to keep, they want their loans to stay on the books. They want them to be, it, it affects their ratios. It affects their, their, uh, what do they call it? Their, their um, reserve rates, right? Mm-hmm. All, yeah. They don't like, it doesn't work well for them. Right. They want to collect interest, right? So as long as the payments are getting made, I've never had that happen. Now, could they call it due? They could. 100%. Do right. we have contingencies for that? Yes, we do. We protect the seller. Um, and then and then we we protect, uh, we obviously protect ourselves as well because we don't we don't want that to happen. So right. while it is while it is a, a standard uh, clause in the agreement, I've never seen I've never seen it happen. Uh, but it absolutely could. There, there, right. There's certainly a risk there. At the same time, we put the proper contingencies in place to make sure that that if it does happen, the seller is protected. Well, right? I mean, the bank's collateral position hasn't really changed. They, the property is still collateral. The person is still liable on the mortgage personally. Mm-hmm. They now have somebody paying for it for them, which is better. Probably improves the bank's position. The payments are coming in. And if that's ever an issue too, you know, we can, there's different ways to structure it. You know, I can do uh, a contract for deed where the deed stays in escrow and still do a 20 or a 30 year term title doesn't transfer. So it's it's basically pending for 30 years or some 20 years. Yeah. It's like an installment sale. So there's, there's a bunch of different ways that, that you can get creative with the point of it being is that I now control, we control the house and then I can go to someone who will never qualify for a loan, maybe a self-employed person uh, who, or someone who's in an all cash business and I can finance them. Like I can actually give them uh, the opportunity to be bank, be bankable. Um, so that's really the strategy that we're looking for so that we can keep more of these properties on a, on a, on a long-term basis and not have to continually turn them over every, you know, three, four, five years. Right. So now, do you have properties over the years that you've kept? You're like, you know what? I like this one. I'm going to keep it and rent it or not yet. Yeah. And I, and I really wouldn't, you know, I, I typically, I don't like to rent because, you know, especially here. You don't want to be a landlord. Rent. The landlords, the landlord law, the landlord laws are tough here. Yeah, New Jersey's um, the same way. Very fit tenant favorable. Yeah. yeah, and it doesn't, you know. Again, we're we're trying to you to go with right fit clients, you know, which is we can help people who are are just outside of financeability who really want to provide for their family and 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 get into a house, and we have the ability to do that. So it's just it's just become this. You know, we can we can do it. So so let's do it. I could rent them absolutely. Now, if, if I lost a buyer and I own the house, I could rent it. But I'd I'd rather do this. You have a strategy and you're sticking with it. Now, have you thought about? Do you have long term plans to expand outside of what you're doing? Because you did say, look, there's a lot of things you can do in in real estate. You should pick your lane, and then as you grow, maybe you can branch out. Do you have any strategic plans to? I- I do. You know, what ends up happening, Mitch, is that when you start talking to sellers on a daily basis, and that's what we we do on a daily basis, I have I have a team, we're talking to people, they own other stuff. 
right? Right. So they own strip malls and they own warehouses and they own, you know, apartment buildings. And, you know, I'm talking to a guy right now, I called him about one of his houses and he owns six different rental properties, free and clear, no more, no debt. Right. And we're talking about doing something on, on seller financing. I got another guy uh, who has 15 rental houses, Wow. no debt. Right. You and know, you're building and, and, a rapport with him. Yeah. And it's just a matter of, so those are the types of things that, that if we structure them the right way, you know, I can pass it on to my, 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 my kid. Um, uh, yeah. but you, 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 you just, you talk to folks who own a bunch of different stuff, right. And they ask you, Hey, would you be interested in this? Like, well, it's not really what I do, but yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah. So I might own a strip mall here at some point, who knows? <laughs> so now what is your, what does your company look like now? Like when you got started, I guess it was just you, right? Well, what does yeah. it look like now? It's mostly virtual. So when I when I did start, it was just me. Uh, my wife helped me a little bit, uh, especially with some of the admin stuff and some of the marketing. Uh, now I have a team of of five. So you know, oh. you fast forward, and you know, I've got people. I've got an assistant. I've got people who are who are who are calling. I have admin, and I'm looking to add a, a couple more people this year, because we're just getting bigger and bigger. You know, I have the, I have the podcast, we're really dedicated to growing that. Um, and then, you know, expand. Oh, I, there's enough houses here in the Chicagoland area, Mitch, for me, but I'm looking to just kind of spread it out to maybe a little bit more rural, rural areas where the taxes aren't so ridiculous. Okay. Um, Cause it but can kind of get you. in your kind of in your sphere of influence, not, you're not going to yeah. Nashville or Atlanta or Austin or whatever. Right. Yeah. Stay, stay, staying in the same state, maybe jump into Indiana because it's only 45 minutes from the border from where I live, uh, Indiana. Right. So what um, what kind of advice? Maybe we could talk about some uh, things that you feel you could do differently or you've learned. If somebody's looking to get into real estate, they hate their mm-hmm. job. They're not sure if they want to start a business and they're like, yeah, they like real estate. What kind of advice do you have for for people that might yeah the first thing i would i would say is you really have to explore why it is that you want to get out of the current situation that you're in if i knew that i wanted to but i never really took the time to write it out and you know get it all out right like why is it that i don't want to do this anymore so that's an important exercise if you don't have a strong why you're probably just going to be run stuck in your current situation and it wasn't until I did that. It was my son. It was my family. I was, I was away. Right. That's what, that's what ultimately drove me. Right. So that would be step one. And then I would say beyond that is we keep talking, keep talking about pick a lane. Like I was so distracted by all these different things, stocks, e-commerce, real estate. It was like the next shiny, shiny object syndrome. We know what that is. Yeah. You really have to focus, find what speaks to you. And if that takes you, you know, a year, 18 months to read a bunch Fine. of books and right. do research, so be it. Right. Pick yeah, the lane. You go from hating a job to hating what else you're doing. Right. Yeah. And that happens to a lot of a lot of new investors. You know, they're like, "Oh, I heard I saw this guy on Instagram and he's making $25,000 a month. I got to right. do that too." And but I don't like it. Like what's the right. point? You yeah, stay in your job that you don't like. through Amazon. I don't like doing it. <laughs> yeah. People that do yeah. that, they make a lot of money different ways. You're like, "It doesn't feel right for you." Yeah. You know? No, it's got to yeah. feel right. Otherwise, you're you're likely not going to do it for any type of you know for any for any extended period of time. You burn out because right, this right, is not right. easy. It's yeah, not easy. Not at all. No, the, the no. 
yeah, even the guy's doing well, right? So what 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 problems did you run into? What kind of you know obstacles did you have to overcome along the way? Yeah, and I had doing them, right? I had a coach, or I had people helping me. Right. Had, well, that's I, important I too, right? Find a mentor, find a coach. Don't do it alone. Find a mentor, find a coach, find somebody that's doing it now and didn't do it like 10 or 15 years ago and is just selling courses or or, or, or their mentorship. Right, exactly. They, There's always a reason why they're doing that, right? They don't own real estate anymore. They used to own real estate. Now they're selling courses. You wonder why they're not doing real estate anymore. No, no. And that's important because you have to make sure that that the person is active. Um, and then you're going to make mistakes. I mean, you have to own that, right? I mean, I'm, I made, I had a coach and I made a bunch of mistakes on that first house. And then you just have to make sure that you acknowledge those mistakes and learn from it, right? Like right. you're just you have to embrace it. You yeah. have to embrace it and then make sure that it doesn't happen again. Like with the mistakes I made on house number one, I'll never make again. And then to the point where now I have a system that's so dialed in where even if I make a mistake or something negative happens, which it will, it's just the nature of the business and people, I know how to handle it, right? right. And then and I have probably someone not big I can mistakes go mistakes anymore, right? There are smaller mistakes. There are things that happen in the deal. What, what are the kind of things you ran into in the first deal? Uh, the first deal was there was a there was a ton of miscommunication or multiple communication because like the buyer. So I normally have the sellers, the seller was living in the house. So the seller would walk through my buyers, right? And be like, hey, just walk them through. And, and they're having these conversations about, well, I'll fix this, this, and this. And it never got back to me. So it ended up costing me, you know, a couple things in the house, uh, you know, went south and I had to fix them. So I ended up costing me a few thousand dollars, you know, to replace, you know, to replace uh, uh, some appliances and some air conditioning stuff. And it was just, there was no communication and that that's, that's on me. Like it's not anybody's fault, but me. So right. that was, that was, a, that was a big mistake there. And then, you know, just really not knowing what the rules were, right. Like I, I was supposed to get a rental license for one of my houses. I didn't know that. Like a town license. Like a town license. And really what it is, is, you know, the, the, the village wants to come out and just collect their fee and make sure everything's crime free. And, and, you know, I didn't, I didn't get. Yeah. New Jersey, you got to register your units too. If you have four family house, you got to register it. They want to know if you're mm -hmm. there. Sometimes some of them have vacant laws. So if the property's vacant, you got to tell the town and. Ordinances yep. and stuff, but yeah, that's an important thing. If you're in real estate, well, if you're in business in general, and I speak about this all the time, you better go learn the local ordinances because you can't say, "Oh, I'm sorry, Your Honor, I didn't realize that." You know, you can't do that. The so judge, that the, you some I mean, fines, you could you pay some extra money. You could, right? Uh, yeah. No, it was well again because I didn't know. I had already taken possession of the house. The seller was already out. My buyer was in the house. And then the 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 uh, the inspector comes out and flagged a bunch of items like you got to fix this this and this. You're like what? And it's on me. The seller was out. Right. So I had to fix it. Right. 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 So now oh, that's because normally you agreement. wouldn't get like a CO and stuff like that until you close. Right. We can get a final inspection from the town. Well, here's the thing too: is I actually had an inspection done on this property. So I hired my own private inspector and then the village came out or the city came out and they did their own inspection and, you know, they flagged a bunch of, it was, again, it was minor stuff. It didn't, right. it wasn't, didn't break the bank. I, it was just a pain in the neck and I had to get it done. Now I have it written into all my agreements 
and I, whatever town I'm in, because some towns they don't care. You don't have, you don't need a right, license. Right. I always call them and be like, Hey, I'm going to buy this property. What do I need to do? If anything, before I put a, before I put a renter in there, because even though it's a, I'm, I'm doing this on a rent to own, they still consider it a lease. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And if you so, did have to evict them and you don't have the proper licensing, it's always a can Achilles heel. Totally. You know, it's totally. Yep. So, so what was the worst deal you ever did? <sighs> probably yeah, I haven't been one. doing this so long, so hopefully maybe you have none, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'd say it was, it was one where the, the buyers, we, we haven't really, and I should have not ever picked them in hindsight. We're still waiting. They're still waiting to get their loan. It'll probably all work out, but it was a situation where they were just, they knew how to work the system. And, you know, even though we have this agreement where it's lease to own, it's rent to own, they gave their down payment. I mean, they really took it to, to another level in terms of, I I spoke to my attorney, you know, I'm going to call the County on you. I'm going to call the, you know, they, they were playing the rental victim, right. Um, Which can't take away their rights. You can't take away their rights. So it probably wasn't a good partnership. Um, for, for us, but you know, we're going to, we're going to get through it. And I might've been a little bit overzealous on that deal to get them in the house. Cause I was yeah. trying to get the house sold because the clock was ticking for me. Got it. Got it. The yeah, seller. Well, that, there's always so, pressure from that. So yeah, you have to make sure that you're, that you stick to your, your, your ideal, uh, client. Uh, right. That would be my advice. Sometimes yeah. I've gotten away from that. Yeah. And it always comes back to bite you sometimes, right? Every time. <laughs> yeah. I was looking at a deal for a client. Uh, it was the attorney, obviously, on the deal. So mm-hmm. he and his three buddies, they found this house nearby. It, was a, it, was a, it wasn't a house. Well, it was three houses, and they were two side by side. So they were, what they call, not even duplex, split down the middle. So there were six yeah. units. Or they might have been up and down. But there were three buildings, six units, right? And the, the rents were all under undervalued, you know, were low for the market. They had, he hadn't raised the rents in years. So they go walking through with the, with the owner who's a, He's a kitchen guy. He does construction, whatever he's getting at. He's selling these things and they were in pretty good shape. They were renovated and everything. So they had these conversations with the tenants. Like, you know, if we buy the property, we're gonna have to raise the rent, you know, not up to full market, but we got to raise it a little bit so we can cover the- Oh, no problem. He hasn't raised the rent in a long time. Well, they didn't do their due diligence. It wasn't my responsibility. They didn't call the town. Turns out this town had rent control and the tenants knew it. So as soon as they purchased the building, they sent them these notices to raise the rent. They get a letter back from an attorney who says, you know, this is my client said they can only raise it, you know, the CPI. And it was 2.9% at the time, whatever, yeah. you know, they're 20% under market. And now these guys bought it with doing their calculations that the cash flow would be higher and, and, and they're screwed. And they eventually sold the buildings, but it was a nightmare. Mm. It was, it was just, it was just a nightmare. So. That's way worse than my divorce deal for sure. Yeah. Well, because yeah. you know why? Because they were guys who bought some real estate together and they had some businesses and they, they didn't really pick a lane. They, you know, they bought some different things all the time. Some of them worked out, some of them didn't. But I think you're the way you're doing is you're becoming uh, a specialist. Mm-hmm. Won't use the word expert, right? It's always dangerous, but you're bec- you're you're learning your type of deal, your type of buyer. You 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 know, you learn how to recognize. And I think that's why your advice is good as to picking a lane, because then you can spend your time learning how to syndicate an apartment building, learning how to do seller financing, learning 
how to fix and flip and what to recognize. Because then when you look at a property, you know what the flags are, the red flags are, and the issues are, and or what looks like a good opportunity, right? Yeah, 100%. Uh, you nailed it, Mitch. And I think ultimately, you know, for me, like, I, I, I love this business. I love real estate. You know, I, one of my goal here is to build this business and automate it so that I can step away from it, right? And maybe work four to five hours a week in it and empower my team to make the decision. And, and that's, that's cool. You know, I, I never thought I would build a business. Uh, but there's some other things I'm looking at. You know, I'm looking at uh, you know buying into other businesses and doing other types of investing. And and again, you need time to do that, right? So if I have you know 80% of my time in this, I have to make sure that I'm that I'm putting the right systems and people in place to do that. It just takes time and commitment. Like I said, you can do something like that in you know three, four, five years. You just got and that goes by quick. I mean, we talked about how quick the kids grow up. I mean, the last few yeah. years have flown by. Yeah. Now if you but if you stop, if you step back from the business, who's doing the finding the deals, the closing the deals? I mean, at some point, they all get sold if there's no more deals going in the pipeline and the cash flow stops. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's why it's critical to find that person who's ultimately going to take it over, uh, take it over or be the be the acquisitions leader. And, uh, you know, I've, I've made a few cracks at it. I'm not quitting, but, you know, I've got you know, we constantly have well, it's only sellers been a couple of years, right? Exactly. Yeah, you know, it's I'm 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 in no rush, but you know, I can't I can't be the one forever, right? I need to have more than more than one person, and and there's plenty of people out there who are who are capable. You know, there's there's going to be folks that I can personally mentor and teach them how to do this, and then and 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 then they'll be the one. Right, right, right. But it's really become a business. You got to operate it as a business. You got to. Think strategically. You got to plan ahead. You got to do cash flow analysis. You got to figure out, okay, these deals are coming off the books then, and these deals are going on the books then, and we got these people waiting to buy, and right, so it's a whole, the whole structure. That's right, and that's the part I don't necessarily like, but it's a necessary <laughs> evil. I mean, I, I like doing the deals. I like uh, mentoring people. I like I like coaching. You know, I love I love talking to people like you, Mitch, and doing podcasting. Right. And I mean, it's fun, right? It's, yeah, it, it, I love it's it. Fun. Wish I can make yeah. a living doing it, you know. <laughs> it's hard. It's yeah, hard. We're it not is. Joe Rogan or you know Dak Shepard, and we're going to make deals with Spotify. I mean, to me, it's content marketing. I'm talking to guys like you. We're connecting, mm -hmm. sharing good ideas, and people hear you and they want to work with you and learn about real estate. People hear me, and if they're in New Jersey, they you know they may need legal work and legal help and stuff like that. But it's uh, yeah, if I could do this, like you know, full time where I'm interviewing people and putting out, I, I would do it, but yeah. I have no idea yeah. how to monetize it. And that brings us to a point too, as you asked about, you know, starting a business. I mean, if you don't got your, even if your legal stuff handled, I mean, I, I see a lot of investors who are buying stuff, you know, but getting LLCs on the internet and getting the operating right. agreements and all that stuff, which just is, makes me cringe. And I'm sure it makes you cringe as well. I mean, this is not a step to skip. Like if you're going to chintz right. somewhere, do it, pick something else. Like do right. not screw up the entity formation and, and the agreements because, you know, as you could, as you could tell many, many stories of when it comes time to sell the business or, you know, something goes, goes wrong and your agreements, your, your entity is incorrect. I mean, I, you, you, tell me what it's happens. a bad time to find out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, look, if everything goes well, you probably don't even need agreements, right? It's really when things go south. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the problem. If you're at, look, if you're doing it just yourself, you and your wife, and you're you're buying a house and you're 
getting a mortgage and then you're fixing it up a little bit and then you're selling it. You should have a light LLC and stuff for liability reasons, but do you need all that, that paperwork? Probably not. But a lot of people put together deals with not just all their own money. You know, you have a little bit of a complex deal. You have a seller on one side, you have a buyer on another side, you got cash flow, you got risks, things like that. Other people may be buying and flipping and they're bringing in people to invest. I'm sure at some point you're probably doing it too because you get mm-hmm. followers and people that are coaching with you and they're like, hey, you know, Brian, I'd really like to invest in a deal. I don't know what to do. And you'd say, okay, well, we got this going on maybe. So, but yeah, if you're not papered, you, you really can run into a lot of, it's just a precarious way to, to do business. And it's not just the real estate business. You know, people do things on a handshake. They watch, um, who's the guy um, who does the business show on CNBC? The uh, the prophet, Marcus Limonis. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Now, now let just for people listening, like he's worth like a billion dollars, okay? So he's got a lot of room for error. And he goes and he does things on handshakes. He meets you and he sizes you up. And he thinks Brian's a nice guy. And he, all right, fine. He writes a check. Now, sometimes he gets screwed, but he can afford to lose a half a million dollars it doesn't change his life. Most people are not in that position. Nope. And, and, you know, to save, by the way, you don't really save that much going to legal zoom, setting up your LLC versus coming to somebody like me, you probably save a few hundred bucks. If that, if that, yeah. And I see them wrong all the time. Totally they didn't agree. get the proper licenses or they didn't follow it. here. They didn't pay this fee, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and it's, it's definitely problematic or the lease. I don't know about, you know, Illinois, but in New Jersey, there's specific requirements in a tenant's lease that you have to have certain language or you can't collect late fees, unpaid utilities, uh, legal fees, court costs. You're stuck. And then if you go to court and the guy shows up with his rent and he goes, no, well, I'm not going to, yeah, I'm not going to accept this. You got to pay my legal fees. You got to pay. Judge going to throw it out. And even these standard leases on the internet that say they're New Jersey based, they're wrong. I see them all the time. They're completely wrong. Yeah. So you got to find somebody local. You got to find somebody local who's done it before. Right. Who knows the law? And and there's some of them are little, you know, little adjustments, but Mm -hmm. you know. All right. So let's talk about how people can find you. Uh, The 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 podcast is BKW Property. The podcast is a the the website is bkwpropertysolutions.com. That's my website. Okay. Uh, the podcast is which we which you were on uh, was a better way with real estate, and you know people can go to the website or you can email. I would give my email. It's Brian at bkwpropertysolutions.com. If you want to learn about this business or how to get started in it. I'd be more than happy to, you know, give you give you some give you some advice. I'm, I'm, I I love it. I love to I love to help people get out of their W two if real estate is the lane, right? Yeah, exactly. Get out of W two any way they can. I mean, yeah. some people, by the way, should stay with their W two, but you know, there's plenty <laughs> of people who shouldn't be entrepreneurs. But are you on LinkedIn also? I am on LinkedIn. Um, it's Brian O'Neill. I don't yeah, so, I, I, probably know other Brian O'Neill's on LinkedIn. I would I would assume, right? I wouldn't such a, not such with an uncommon not name. With, not with a capital N and two L's. I don't I don't I don't okay. think so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, and an apostrophe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so people can interact with you, coach with you, learn from you, see what you're doing. Yeah, they can learn from me. Again, we and you mentioned we do, you know, we do work with it with investors. I mean, because there's a lot of people out there that don't want to do what I, what, what I do and they just want the returns. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, but again, the, the, the main, 
the main objective is, you know, education. I mean, that's what our show is about. That's what we do with our buyers. That's what we do with our sellers. So I'm, I'm happy to, to, to give any uh, insight to anyone who, who reaches out. Yep. And this episode will probably be out like mid to late March. My episode was out what, a couple of weeks ago, I think on your show. Yeah. It was a few weeks before ago. Before New yeah. Year's. December. It was before New Year's. Yeah. It was before New Year's. Absolutely. Yeah, Mid-December. So you check that out. And I can't thank you enough taking some time on a Friday afternoon. It's 4.30 my time. It's 3.30 your time, right? 3.30 and the sun is still out. It's going to be dark soon, right? Getting dark out here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. Well, you know, I'm cutting it out. Yeah. You're a real estate guy. So your day on a Friday must end like 2.30, 3 o'clock, right? I mean, you just, you know, go home, kick your feet up and not, not yeah. have to do any work because you're a real estate mogul now. You know, it's, it, that's typically how, that's typically how it works. I can tell you my, my son's going to be home in about 10 minutes. So all, you know, what is going to be happening, uh, exactly. here at the house soon. So what, the, what, the timing of this in is school? Good. He's in fifth grade. Oh yeah. yeah. So that is fifth, the last year in elementary by you. It is. Yeah. yeah. It's uh K through five and then, you know, junior highs. What do they do at K through six there? No, no, no. We're Jersey? K through five and then six through okay. eighth is middle school. Nine through twelfth is high school. Right, right. I do not miss going to parent night. First of all, now parent night on Zoom is the best thing you've ever seen, right? You know, I know. but with the kid, it's just wait till you get to the middle school or even the high school when they give you three minutes to go from one teacher to the next at night. It's just a nightmare. You're right. Oh, you're seeing your it. friends. Hey, Brian, how you doing? Bumping into people in the hallways, and then it's like, yeah, do they do do their whole day in like an hour and a half or something like that? Yeah, not it's not nuts. looking forward to that. I don't miss it. Well, enjoy it. Cause like you said, it goes real fast. My tour in college, my third one next year, we'll be looking at schools and my son's starting his job in June with a company in uh, actually in Indianapolis. Oh, nice. A great, out, great city. Great there. city. Yeah. 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 Look, Good right for here, real estate. Stadium. Yeah. Maybe he'll get into real estate. He's a tech guy. So he's working for an AI company. Okay. We'll see. But if he starts making some money, maybe I'll connect you guys and you can do some deals together. Awesome. Love All it. right, Brian, Thanks. I can't thank you enough. It's great to be on. Thanks, Mitch. Good seeing you again. If you like the podcast, please tell others about us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, on Amazon Music, and many of the other podcast directories. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review and feel free to share our episodes on social media. If you have any questions or comments, ideas for the show, or you'd even like to appear as a guest, reach out to us by email at info at beinhackerlaw.com. The Accidental Entrepreneur is hosted and produced by me, Mitch Beinhacker. If you'd like more information about my legal services, you can find me on social media or visit my website at beinhackerlaw.com. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe to our feed to be notified of all future episodes.